Today is the last day of our Know Your Shape series. And what we're talking about is God has prepared you for a purpose on this planet. And you've got to discover what that purpose is. And um, there's some assignments that you need to do. Whether you're coming to class 301 or not, there are some pieces of paper at the back that you can get. Um, one of them today is called an observation assessment. Now, what an observation assessment is, you give this to someone else who knows you well, whether that's your spouse or a good friend or something like that. They go through, they answer the questions, then they, they uh, put down their observations. And what this does, sometimes your friends and your family see God's gifting in your life better than you do. And so if you're planning to come to class 301, which is next Sunday, right after church, if you're coming to class 301, you need to do at least three things. You need to bring your homework with you. There is uh, the observation assessment. There's a passion assessment. And there's another piece of paper back there. I forgot which one it is right now. But there's three things that you need to bring with you next Sunday to class 301 um, so that you'll be prepared. Otherwise, you're going to be way behind. We're just going to send you to another room. You're going to have to do all of that work while we're in here doing the teaching stuff. That's so that we can get finished by 2.30. There's just so much material to cover. So today, we're going to finish up shape. We've looked at four factors in your shape. We've looked at spiritual gifts, heart, those things that you're passionate about, abilities, and personality. So, let's just review real quickly. We said that your life is like this suitcase. Every person is a creation of God, but not every person is a child of God. Every person has the capacity to become a child of God, to become a Christian, but not every person is a Christian. So this suitcase represents your life. Now, if you were to go to um, DFW Airport, Love Field, I don't care, where, some airport, if you were to go and go to the baggage claim area and you were to take every suitcase that you found and you opened it, would any two suitcases contain the same things? Not a chance. And neither does every life does any two lives resemble each other exactly? What I'm trying to get across here is that every person is unique, created by God for a specific purpose, a specific ministry in this world. You weren't created just to take up space, just to breathe air for a little bit and then die. You were created to make a contribution. It's not the duration of your life that matters. It's the donation of your life that matters. So this represents your life. And what we said was... When a person asks Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life, then God sends the Holy Spirit to indwell that life. So this cross represents that we are little Christs. We are supposed to reflect Christ. And so when he comes into your life, he doesn't come empty handed. He always brings some housewarming gifts. These represent the spiritual gifts. It is up to you, the individual Christian, to unwrap those gifts, figure out what they are, how to develop them, how to use them for God's glory. Now, God also gives you some other things. God gives you some abilities. Um, well, let's do this one first. He gives you a heart. This represents what you are passionate about. There are certain things that make your heart beat faster. There are certain things that you couldn't care less about. So God designed you to care about certain things. It's interesting, as you begin to talk to different people in the church, the things that they're passionate about. Talk to my wife, you'll find out what she's passionate about. Talk to Carrie, you'll find out what she's passionate about. Alex, different people, we all have different passions. That's for a reason. That's so things will get done in the church. And by the way, whatever you're passionate about, whatever drives you nuts about the church, you're called by God to fix. God gave you a passion to fix it. So if you come to me, you know, with a problem, I'll say, guess what? You're the solution. Go do it. I know some of some people don't come to me with problems because for that very reason, I know he's going to make me do something. Well, <laughs> that's why God put you here. So God made you passionate about certain things. God also gave you abilities. 
The difference in your spiritual gift and your abilities and talents is that your abilities and talents God gave you at birth. So some people are athletic. We're playing soccer, so that dominates my mind. Some people can work with their hands. They can do different things. And God gives every person an ability so that you make that contribution here on the earth. Then we said that, and by the way, if you hadn't done this, oh, that's the other thing is back there is the personality profile. We talked about the different personalities. And we said that God gives some the lion personality. And that's on last week's tape. If you want to go online, you can get that. We said God gave some um, the... Uh, Golden Retriever personality, and we've got the Beaver personality, and we've got the Otter personalities. Now, I said something last week, and I need to clarify, because some of you came up, because I said, if you got all four of these, then you're schizophrenic. Several of you laughed, because then you're coming up to me, and you're going, I'm schizophrenic, because i got combinations of everything. If you take the personality profile back there, you'll find out that, yes, you probably do have combinations, but usually you have one or two that stick out above the rest. And on any given day, you depending on how much stress you've got in your life, how much rest you've had, any given day, your top two could switch. For example, Tammy, I just saw you, I'm sorry. Tammy is a beaver. Tammy likes for things to be in place. Um, I have a lot of lion tendency and I've got a lot of otter tendency. Otters drive beavers nuts. How many otters? you got three otters in your house, right? Tammy is the only beaver in her house. Everybody else is otter. And so they drive her crazy. She drives them crazy. It's part of God's um, sense of humor that he puts us together. I think God likes to see all that. And by the way, if you want a book that will help you understand this, um, it's called Taming the Family Zoo. Great book that tells you how to get along with all of the different personalities. So anyway, on a given day, I may be more lion and I may be more otter. It just depends on what's going on in my life. So you've got those different personality profile types. Now, today we're going to get to experiences. The last part of how God shaped you is through experiences. And this may be the most significant thing that, that uh, God does in our lives. God never wastes an experience. We do, but God doesn't. Look at Romans 8, 28 and 29. We know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. They are the people he called because that was his plan. I want you to circle those words, his plan. This is on your listening guide. They are the people he called because that was his plan. God knew them before he made the world and he decided that they would be like his son. Now, circle those words. Be like his son. God's plan is that you would be like his son, that you would begin to bear the family resemblance once you become a Christian. And that doesn't happen on your own. That happens as God's spirit comes in your life and changes you. Now, these verses do not say there's a couple of things. These verses do not say. First of all, these verses do not say that everything that happens in this world is God's plan. Right. You do not read that in there. They also do not say that everything that happens in this world is good. God is realistic. He knows that there's evil in the world. God gives us choices. He gives other people choices. A lot of times the bad things that happen in my life come not not because of my choices, but because of someone else's poor choices. And we could go around all day and talk about that, how we experience that. But what it says is, regardless of what happens in your life, good or bad, God will turn it into good if. You choose to let him. And, you know, for years I heard that people would somebody would die in a car wreck and say, oh, God works all things together good and just flippantly throw that out there. And it would make me mad because that's not what I need to hear when I'm grieving. But what God does, you got to go to the next verse for good. What is the good? He makes you look like Jesus. So I don't know how many times I've talked to somebody in hospitals as as a loved one is laying there dying. um, And I've said what I'm going to pray I don't understand death. I don't like death. I don't like pain. But what I'm going to pray, I can pray this. It's a concrete prayer. 
is that through this experience, God will make you look more like Jesus Christ. That's the good that the Bible has promised God will do through experiences if we choose to let him. Now, you've been shaped by your experiences, whether you like it or not. And even though some were out of your control, God allowed them because he wanted you to look like his son. So we're going to look at five different types of experiences. Gregory, can you bring me those things? Five different types of experiences that I want you to think about. The first is Gregory drew a a picture of a house for me here. The first is your family experiences. All right. Good job, dude. That was much better than the house I would have drawn. He's even got an apple tree there and all this stuff. You had some family experiences when you were growing up, right? God allowed those to happen. Did you know that God chose your parents? You may not have, but God did. Because he needed that exact DNA set to come together to create you. And your parents may have made a lot of wrong choices. And a lot of people are stuck in their past. And they keep tripping over their past. And they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And it hurts not only them, but it hurts everybody in their family and those people that know them. But you also learn some good stuff. Right? I hope. And so God gave you that family. Learn from that because God wants you to connect with somebody else who's going through the same situation you are. How many times have you been talking to somebody and they say, you just can't understand how I feel. But when you say, let me tell you about my experience. And we're, when your experience is similar to their experience, what do they do? They say, oh, and it's like the wall comes down and then you can begin to communicate. That's God's plan. That's what he wanted to happen. The second thing is, let's see, I got a diploma here somewhere. Educational experiences. Did you know I did a search on this? This blew my mind and I guess it shouldn't. There are now fake diplomas. Fake um, uh, transcripts. This isn't one, by the way. This is just a certificate, a certificate of graduation. It costs money to get the fake ones. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. It was six bucks for a fake diploma and five bucks for a fake transcript or something like that. I went, oh, my soul. Well, anyway, ask yourself these questions. What subjects were you good at in school? What subjects did you enjoy the most? What subjects did you enjoy the least? Did you have any hobbies? Did you have any extracurricular activities that you enjoyed doing? There's a reason that you enjoyed doing them. God let you uh, gave you some abilities and some things that that are going to um, be near and dear to your heart. Now, you also have vocational experiences. Ashley drew me some money here. She drew ones, fives and the hundreds. There you go. Good. There's some there's some money. Now, what jobs were you good at? What jobs were you not so good at? <laughs> what jobs did, did you do that somebody went, man, you've got a talent for that. You have a natural ability for that. You are excellent at that. You need to ask yourself those types of questions because this is how God is shaping you to make a contribution in this world. Now, you also have spiritual or ministry experiences, spiritual or ministry experiences. Now, uh, a lot of a lot of ministry experiences don't require any help. I mean, don't require any help, don't require any special abilities. They require you to just say, I'm available. And we've shown you some serving Olympics along the way. And um, in our serving Olympics, you saw people change diapers and you saw people vacuum. Well, today, our serving Olympics is um, cleaning the restroom. So here you go. And welcome to our third and final event of the Serving Olympics. Let me introduce you to our contestants. Over here, we have the Queen of Cleaning. She is an expert and a world champion at cleaning toilets. And on this side, we have a man who has never cleaned anything in his life that has to do with toiletry. 
This is Wes Kennedy going against Jennifer Kennedy. Now, here is the event. You must clean the bathrooms. You must clean the toilets, clean the sinks, and wipe off the mirror in the shortest amount of time. First one out of the bathroom wins. Contestants, do you understand these rules as I've explained them to you? Three, two, one, clean that bathroom! chocolate pudding for those of you who have squeamish stomachs and it was a clean brush we Alex actually wanted to pile it high and you know on on one of our existing brushes and Wes was like no so we had to pause taping while I went to the dollar store and and get a fresh brush so so be assured that we're not that stupid as to do anything like that but we did all of this to show you that it doesn't take any spiritual gift to run a vacuum cleaner, to clean a toilet, to change a diaper. It just requires somebody to be available. And when we get to the end of this service today, we're going to hand out some, some areas that, that you can serve in. And there's all kinds of things from teaching in, in um, children's worship to uh, cleaning the bathrooms to uh, vacuuming. To, there's all kinds of things that you can do service-wise here at the church. And we're going to give you some opportunities to do that. And so you need to just ask yourself, when you're thinking about how God has shaped you, what are the most meaningful times that you've had with God? When I ask myself that, the most meaningful times I've had with God are at youth camps or on mission trips or doing um, activities where we're trying to reach people who are far from God. Ask yourself, what are the times that you have felt, felt closest to God? What are the things that you have done for God that, that have, um, have meant the most to you? Ask yourself those types of questions. Uh, Romans 1.12 says, I mean that I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. The whole idea of God giving you spiritual experiences is so that you can share those experiences with someone else. God wants you to be able to do that. Now, the last experience that I want us to look at is painful experiences. Painful experiences. Proverbs 20.30 says this. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. God never wastes a hurt. And it is probably this last category that is going to be your most meaningful ministry. Whatever makes you miserable, that is your ministry. 
What problems, hurts, thorns, trials have you learned from? Um, I want you to say this with me out loud because this is the thing you've got to get from today's service. Here it is. God never wastes a hurt. I want you to say that. I want you to repeat it. God never wastes a hurt. One more time because you've got to get this down. God never wastes a hurt. Your greatest ministry will come from your greatest hurt. Um, but in order for God to use your painful experiences, you have to share them. If you keep them to yourself, not only will you not get well, someone else may not get well because they can't have someone to connect with and see that there is hope, that there is a possibility to come out of this valley that they're in because someone else has walked um, that road before. You know, I read that Roger Bannister, they, they just made that movie um, about him breaking the four minute mile barrier. It was said it couldn't be done. No one can break the four minute mile barrier. Roger Bannister does it. And within one year's time, 12 other individuals broke the four minute mile because someone else walked the road before them. And so God lets you go through some painful experiences so that he can comfort you and then you can comfort others. That's what this verse says. Second Corinthians one four. God wonderfully comforts us and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. When we honestly and openly admit our past hurts, habits and hang ups, that's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. People will be drawn to you. Forgotten experiences are worthless. That's on your listening guides. Forgotten experiences are worthless. But shared experiences encourage others much more than when you brag about your strengths. Galatians 3, 4 says, were all your experiences wasted? I hope not. One of the things that we talk about is you are only as sick as your secrets. When you keep something in, it just it's going to manifest itself in physical ways, in emotional ways, in spiritual ways. And, and I don't care what it is in your past. Satan is the one who wants you to keep it in the dark. God has said if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, then we're healed. When we bring things out into the light, that's when all of the power of Satan drains away. I don't know if you've ever realized this, but the thing that, that you um, are so hurt by, the thing that, that you have so much regret over, those things that you want to forget or ignore, those are the things that are making you sick. And as soon as you confess those to a caring group of Christians, watch what happens. Not only will it feel like a burden will come off of your shoulders, um, but you'll immediately sense God's presence coming and uh, comforting you. God's presence through the Holy Spirit, but also through other people, other Christians that are there. When you see that they're not repulsed by what you've gone through, when you hear someone else say, I know how you feel, I've been through that, then all of a sudden you begin gaining strength. That's why Satan wants you to keep it quiet, because he knows that healing comes through admitting it and getting it out in the open. Every time, those things you can't talk about, they have power over you, and you are chained to them until you begin talking about them. And that's God's plan. Well, what can you do today? Three things you can do today. You can give your heart to God. The reason many of you have never discovered your shape for ministry is because, quite honestly, you haven't given your heart to God. Some people have given their head to him. They'll say, um, yeah, I believe there's a God. But the, the Bible says the demons believe that there's a God and they shudder. They're, in, they're afraid of God. Some people have given God their lips. They would even say, you know, yeah, this, there's a God out there and, and, and I believe in him, but they've never given their heart. And here's the, the example I want to give you. Who was it that betrayed Jesus on the night that, that um, he had to go to trial before he was crucified? It was Judas. Judas gave his head 
and gave his lips to Jesus, followed him for three years. He was the treasurer for the disciples. He was well trusted, but he never gave his heart to Jesus. And that's why he went out and hanged himself, because he was so distraught over what he had done to the Son of God. And if he'd only waited till Sunday, really what Judas did was no worse than what Peter did. Or the other disciples, they all ran away from him and denied they knew him and cursed. No, I don't know the man. But the others waited till Sunday morning when the tomb was empty and Jesus forgave all their sins. Judas didn't wait for that. Judas went out and hung himself and I believe he busted the gates of hell wide open because he never gave his heart to Jesus. And if you want to discover your shape for ministry, the first thing you've got to do is got to give your heart to him. Look what this verse says. Romans 10, 9, if you use your mouth to say Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Second thing you need to do is get in your head that your sins are gone. They're completely gone. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. We got the name of the church from this verse because we want to celebrate people Receiving new life from God and God resurrecting from our pain and from our past these incredible lives to show his power. Because the Bible tells us that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us. But we don't tap into it, number one, because we're not related to God. And number two, because we keep our sins secret. So we've just got to humbly admit that we need God and he will raise us up. And number three, what you can do is discover and live out your God given shape. No one can do it for you. Get in the game. It is the secret to finding your purpose in life. It is the secret to finding meaning in life. Let's sing some more. Now, the Bible says that... um, tells us that we're not going to lose our salvation if we're believers in Christ. You cannot lose your eternal salvation. When you ask Christ to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, he writes your name in the book of life. And there's never in the Bible mentioned anything about an eraser where your name gets scratched out of there. But what the Bible does say is based on what we do in this life, we will either receive rewards when we get to heaven or we'll lose rewards when we get to heaven. And so this song is kind of a, an imaginative look at what's going to happen when we get to heaven. But we know for a fact that when we stand before God, if we're a Christian, we do not have to go before the great white throne of judgment. That's the one where God will say, I do not know you depart from me. But when if you're a Christian, he says, come on in. But he is going to evaluate your life and he's going to look at what you did. And based on what you did on this earth, that will determine the type of reward that you get in heaven. And so we wanted to include this song to say what you do now matters. It doesn't just matter here on this earth. It matters to other people that you serve and it matters in eternity when you stand before God and when you hear him say either good job or that's okay." I think most of us want to hear him say good job. And so that's what we've got to do is we've got to invest our lives in other people. Now, the best way to use your shape is to serve others. In fact, greatness in the kingdom of God is measured by how many people you serve, not by how many people serve you. See how this world's got it all jacked up, all screwed up. Jesus said, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Jesus himself gave up all kinds of glory and majesty in heaven so he could come and put skin on and be abused by the very people he came to save, be spit on, 
whipped, beaten, mocked, ridiculed because he loved you and me. And the Bible says, if you want to be like Christ, if you want to be great, you've got to have the same attitude he had. His attitude was that of a servant. Now, knowing your shape for serving God is important, but having the heart of a servant is even more important. Without a servant's heart, you're going to be dis- uh, tempted to misuse your shape. The things that God has given you, the way God has molded you, you're going to be tempted to use that for yourself. And what happens a lot of time is we'll look at our life and we'll say, you know, I'm really grateful to you, God, for all you've given me. This is really cool. All the stuff you've given me, my life is great, God. But don't jack with me. Find someone else to serve. I don't have time. I'm trying to make money. I'm trying to be famous. I've got all this stuff I've got to do. God, don't mess with me. And so God lets you go down your path. It breaks his heart because he knows all of the incredible things that you could have done, all the blessings that he wanted to bestow on your life, but you were too busy. You said, don't disturb me, God. I don't want to do that. Somebody's being disturbed on the cell phone over there. God often tests our heart by seeing if we'll do something that we're not shaped to do. Find it. There we go. If you see someone, if you see someone falling ditch, yeah, the A team. You're always going to know it's Keith. Keith's the only person in the world who has the A team ringtone. Um, <laughs> I pity the fool. That's right. Now God's going to tempt you, or not going to tempt you. God's going to test your heart. By, by allowing some things to come into your life that you're not shaped to do. If you see a man fall into a ditch, God wants you to help him out, not say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have the gift of mercy and service. Let's see if we can find someone in our church that does and maybe they'll help you out. God says, no, that's not the way it goes. He wants you to help someone and do some things that uh, might cost you something. If you see a child fall into the water, like happened at, at Lake Palestine a few weeks ago, a nine-year-old child fell into the water. You don't go looking for an Olympic swimmer or maybe a lifeguard knocking on doors, seeing if somebody will go help him. What do you do? You dive in. You are reckless. Um, you throw all caution to the wind and you go to help that child because somebody's going down. Somebody's life is at stake. Well, in a very real sense, people's lives are at stake. Because most of the people in this town and in this county face a Christless eternity. And I just find that unacceptable. We can do better. You and I know people that if they were going down the road tonight and they were to have a wreck, they would die and go to hell, bust the gates wide open. And that's unacceptable to me. And so the reason we created this whole church was to serve people who are far from God. And the reason you're here is no accident. God called you here to serve. God never called you... To soak up things. And, and what I've got to ask is, you know, where are the people that are willing to invest their lives in others? You know, we've got several things going on. The children's ministry. There are people you don't ever see. Like when Sandy came up here and we did something with her. Or actually it was on the video a couple of weeks ago, the serving Olympics. Some of you don't know Sandy because she's always in the nursery. Always in the nursery. My wife has been to big church one time in the last six months because she's always teaching the older children's class downstairs. Um, these people serve because they know what we're doing matters. We have Celebrate Recovery on Sunday nights. We got it again tonight. 
And Celebrate Recovery is a place where people who have no hope can come. And I don't care if it's drugs or alcohol or you've got um, weight issues or, or family issues or if you lost a loved one, you're divorced. We talk about all kinds of ways to apply God's love to our lives and to get over the junk in our past. And people can be helped there. And some of you are called to help with Celebrate Recovery. You may not have even been there yet, but God's called you to help with that. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. Marriage counseling. I can't tell you how much marriage counseling I've done in the last six months. One of my dreams is that some of you all will hear this today and you'll say, you know, I would like to invest in some younger couples that are coming up. And I would take you through some training so that when we have some premarital counseling that, that we, we, uh, when I get overloaded, that some of you could say, hey man, I'll take a couple and I'll, I'll go through this whole series with them. I'd like to have three or four couples that would be marriage counselor couples. And then if, if something is really a big deal that, that you don't feel you're equipped, then, you know, I can help with that. I like doing marriage counseling. That's what God has called me to do. But there was one time I was doing four couples at once. And, and even though I love doing that, that weared me down. It wore me down. Weared me down. I can't talk. It wore me down. Um, so I'd love for some of you all to step up and say, there's some things that I want to do. I want to give to others. We have a need for heroes in this church. And let me define a hero for you. Here it is. Ready? A hero is a servant. A hero is a servant. Period. It takes a servant to walk around in the parking lot on a cold morning like today or a couple of weeks ago when, when uh, it was raining and they were walking you people in. They don't take Sundays off unless they're sick. And then we need more of you <laughs> to be out there. Because what kind of message does it send to a first-time guest when, when it's raining or it's cold or it's hot and someone is out there saying, hey, we are so glad you're here. Let me help you. If you got babies, they'll help you carry babies. If you got whatever you need help with. What kind of message does that send? That we like people. <laughs> that we're interested in you. It's not just, you know, this closed um, country club atmosphere. We want, we, we're happy. We're happy when you're in the parking lot. That's a victory that you're even here. And we're going to try to help you get in the building and have a good experience. It takes a hero to work with our children every week and to love them and to teach them about God. It takes a hero to, hero to vacuum the floors and move chairs and go to rehearsals every week like they do or, or like the children's ministry does. Go to rehearsals just to serve whomever shows up at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings because there is no guarantee that anybody's coming. And there have been times we've had 12 people in big church. It's great when folks come up you know, that have been in the children's area for a while. They come up and they go, wow, where did everybody come from? Because they remember the days when nobody was around. It takes a hero to get up on Sunday mornings and go get breakfast or to fix the coffee or to, to do those things so that people can have a pleasant experience when they're here. Whether it's working with our children during big church or cleaning the bathrooms on Wednesday nights or cooking for Celebrate Recovery, serving is the key to spiritual growth. It's the key to growth in every area of your life. And one of the values of this church is that all people matter to God and people will never believe it if we don't live out those values in front of them by serving. You remember what Jesus said? He said, they'll know you're my disciples by your what? Your love for each other. How do you demonstrate love? You do stuff. <laughs> Ladies, is it good enough for your man just to say, I love you? No! You want him to show you. And that's what God wants us to do. Now, we have at the back a list, a, a whole handout of, of serving opportunities. Let's just hold those for a second. Alex, let me say a couple more things, then we'll pass those out. 
But we're going to give you an opportunity to see the things that you can you can be involved in. And then I challenge you today to talk to somebody about that. If you want to work in the children's area, you talk to Janie or, or Jennifer Canaday or, or Danielle or Sandy, one of those people. If you want to serve in the greeting ministry, talk to, to Rick. He's at the back. Or um, Charlie, you recognize him. You see him every week, whether you knew their names or not. Talk to them about greeting. We need people outside. We need people inside greeting. Um, we need all kinds of folks helping. And, and you'll see a whole list of those things. Um, and God has something for you to do, because what what a lot of people want to do is they want to serve God, but in an advisory capacity. We want to tell God what he should do in the world. And God says, it doesn't work like that. I don't need your help. I created you. You know, it's like sometimes my son's trying to tell me how to do my job. <laughs> sometimes he's right. Most of the time he has no clue what he's talking about. And we try to tell God what he should do. But God has something for us to do. And I've noticed in my own life, it's, it's kind of easy to slip into this deal where, um, where, you know, sometimes I just want to be served. Sometimes I get up and it's just like, you know, people in my family should just serve me because I'm me. You know, I go to Walmart. I want you to serve me if you work at Walmart. I go to the restaurant. Come on, give me service. And we get into this thing and I don't know where it comes from. It has to be from the devil because it's not from God. But we, we'll do this. I'll serve you. It's my turn to serve you. Then it's your turn to serve me. It's my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn. And I'll take another turn because, like, I had a really bad day at work today. And and I'll take another turn and I'll take another. And before long, our soul shrivels up and dies. Because God never intended for us to be served. He said, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so I want you to think about um, the people who are whining and complaining and bitter Christians. You want to know why they are? Because they don't serve. I think Alex has a picture of this. There's an aqueduct built in Rome in 109 A.D. outside the little city of Segovia in Spain. And it served that city for 1800 years. So long that people just began to take it for granted. And what they did, you know, this brought water in. They, they began to build pipes to bring water in. And as soon as they stopped using this thing, you know what happened? It crumbled and began to fall apart for lack of use. As soon as it stopped serving, it was no longer useful. And I think you see the obvious parallel. When we no longer serve, our souls crumple. We were made to serve. We're made to make a difference in the world. So don't fall into the trap of of thinking that you were put here to be served by others. When you use your shape to serve others, 1 Timothy 15 says, the people will all see you mature right before their eyes. One of the main growth tools in life is service. If you want to be a better husband, serve. If you want to be a better wife, serve. If you want to be a, a better parent, serve. If you want to be a better teacher, serve. Those of you who are married, if you want to have a better sex life, serve. Serving is the key to growth in every area of life. Harris did a survey a couple of years ago, and they, they went across the United States, and they asked people this question. People who volunteered, they asked them this question. How satisfied are you with your service? And the, the, the possible responses were very satisfied, somewhat satisfied, not at all satisfied. 100% of Americans <laughs> said they were very satisfied when they gave up their lives to others, when they volunteered. Now, I don't know when there has ever been 100 percent agreement in the United States of America on anything. 
Look at any election we hold. It's not even close to 100%. But this says, this Harris survey says, guaranteed satisfaction if you'll serve. If you'll give of your life to others. Now, I want Alex to put this on the screen and I want you to say this. This is our mantra. This is what I want you to take with you. Apply your heart and hands to the place of greatest demand. All right, you ready? Let's practice. Apply your heart and hands to the place of greatest demand. Yeah, y'all are just like the classroom, you know. My heart and hands. Okay, let's try it again. Ready? Apply your heart and hands to the place of greatest demand. Thank you. There was even enunciation back there. I heard your P's and I heard the, the G. Very good. Thank you, Wes. Now, we, uh, Alex put together a video called Legacy. And that's what the song is about how you leave a legacy. And watch this and then we'll finish up. If you're willing to do this today, if you're willing to say to God, God, use my shape, then write that on the back of your card. And we'll do everything we can to uh, to plug you in. But but you may not discover your shape until you actually get off of the backside and start doing something. You never know until you experiment. You may go down. Some of you may volunteer to work in the children's area next week and come back and go, ah, I'll give money, but don't ever make me go down there again. Um, But a couple of weeks ago. Heather was sitting up here after having done the uh, drama and stuff like that. And she and, and Jessica were sitting right over there. As a matter of fact, Heather went to Janie as soon as that service was over. And she said, you have got to put me in the children's ministry. I've got to be working down here. Um, so there are going to be some things as you experiment. You're going to find out what you're good at and what you're not good at. So if you'd be willing to do that, then uh, write that on there. Now, if you'll just take one of those sheets per... Do we have enough for... Pass some more to the front. If you'll take one per family of those um, service opportunities and then pass some to the front so that folks can know what's going on and where they can sign up. One last thing that we need to do today before you're dismissed is next week we got a special group. We start a new series called um, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. And we just wanted to show you just a quick video uh, trailer, movie trailer, of the folks that are coming to visit us. And when this is finished, you're dismissed.
be here with us next week. And uh, I think we'll never be the same after hearing from him. Um, I've watched the video. Alex showed it to his group of uh, 10-year-old boys, his small group of 10-year-old boys. And, and several of them are trying to figure out ways that they can raise money to send to help these children out. Um, one person that you did not see on all of our legacy video was the guy who created that video and does all of our audiovisual stuff. He's always behind the camera so you don't see him. I think we just need to give Alex a hand for the incredible job he does week after week with all of our stuff. You're dismissed. <laughs>